Hey everybody, Steve Beecham here again for our fifth podcast. I got my buddy Joe Lockwood with me. Uh, Joe and I got, go way back. We uh, we've got some motorcycle stories we're going to tell, and um, and 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 Joe's a very successful uh, construction company owner, and he's also the uh, the mayor of Milton, and was actually the first mayor of Milton. So we might talk a little politics and how that works. But uh, Joe, thank you for being here with us. I really appreciate it. Tell me, um, how did the hell did you get started in the construction business? Well, you know, first thing I'm going to say, Steve said we've been friends for a long time. And uh, I'll never forget, almost 30 years ago, I convinced my wife that I wanted to move to the country. And she wanted to move to the city. So we found some property, which, which is now in Milton. And I convinced her to buy a little old house and some, and some property and acreage around us. So she's kind of getting settled in. Next thing I know, this guy pulls up in an old beat-up pickup truck in uh, overalls. A straw hanging out and a, and, a, and a straw hat. You're going, hey, I'm thinking about buying a property next to you. Maybe we can raise some cows and let the youngins run around. <laughs> and my wife's just standing there shaking her head going, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Who so, was that guy? So that's how I met Steve Beecham. <laughs> and the next thing the next thing I know, we went to a Christmas party. And, and my wife Dawn said, well, you know, are we going to know anybody there? And I said, well, that guy Steve Beecham that we met, he's going to be there. And we walk into the party and... Steve's there, and, and all of a sudden his wife Mary introduced it to my wife Dawn, and next thing you know, they were in the same sorority, they had all the same friends, blah, 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 and it's, uh, as Steve said, I thought they was going to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they fell in love quick. It was great. So, so anyways, no, good, great relationship. So, um, as far as in the construction business, I, uh, I started just working construction. I worked at a gas station when I was 16. And uh, 15 and 16, I got got held up by gunpoint at night. Oh. It was midnight one night. And a guy that I was, uh, my girlfriend was babysitting for, was starting his own small drywall company. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to come to work for him. So I uh, I said, sure, about $2.50 an hour. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I just, I was his first employee, and I just worked together hand in hand with him, was his helper. Uh, and being a younger kid, I was kind of inquisitive, and I'd ask him, "Well, how do we, how do you figure out how much this costs, or how do you price this, and that and that?" And before long, he was actually sending me on little jobs to bid and take care of and all that. So I really learned a lot from him. And it's interesting that was 40 years ago, and uh, just I don't know, two or three weeks ago, out of the blue, I connected with him and his wife, and and had had them over for dinner, and. Uh, I just said, Ron, his name was Ron. I said, Ron, you know, made a toast at dinner. I just said, you know, it's been years since we've really connected and, you know, we've done anything together. And I said, I just want to have an opportunity to tell you what the impact you made in my life. Um, starting, Man. you know, and, you know, he thought, he's always thought I was fairly successful. And so I just wanted to say, you know, that's, uh, there's three men that were very, very important to me and that I feel like left me with a legacy and I learned a lot from it. Who were the other two? And uh, one of them was my, was my uncle and another guy was Mo Sill that uh, I used to work on his farm in West Virginia that I took you up there and you saw the chickens. And you said, hey, I got chickens like that, but why are those roosters all in cages? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my God. I remember Mo. What was his wife's name? Nadia. Nadia. And they just died a couple years ago at about 95 years mm. old. But uh, So I wanted to get with Ron, and you know, well, I had the opportunity to tell me what he, he meant to so me. So is that, that important, do you think? I mean, you know, 
to be inquisitive about how things work? Do you, have you still do that today? Like, you know, you said you wanted to know, is that innate or, I mean, is that just who you are or, or should people be more like that? I mean, I think it's a blend. I think it is, it is who you are, uh, you know, for certain people. For me, right. I was always inquisitive rather than just taking everything at face value uh, or, you know, just wanting to put my punch in the time clock and, and go to work. Um, you know, I want to know, well, how's the boss doing it? You know, how does, how did he build his business? How come he's doing this and, and I'm not? Um, it's, it's interesting. I, I never thought I would be in the construction business as a, uh, even though I did a lot of construction work when I was young, um, worked for Ron. Then, uh, I actually contracted out a couple of small drywall jobs. I say small, a couple of houses in our neighborhood when I was 17 and but 17, 18 in between uh, my high school graduation and, and college. I look back now and I wonder how, you know, how did I convince these, these people to let me actually hang and finish all the sheetrock in the how house did you? as a young kid? Why do you think? You know, well, I went and talked to them and, you know, told them what I had done and, and got to know them that way. And uh, actually Ron, my boss, had, uh, I'd mentioned to him and he, he called him and, and told him, he said, you know what, he can do it. And if he can, I'll help him out. Man, and he really helped so you on that. He did. So, so I got that going. And then when I went to college, uh, just to pick up extra money, I would see people at you know the local building supply buying some you know materials, or I'd see somebody adding a garage under their house or finishing a basement, and I'd just you know go talk to them. Do you need somebody to hang and finish your drywall? And so picked up little little you know little by little picked up jobs like that. And what's interesting, you know, even after a couple of years, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do as a career. And it never dawned on me to do that as a business and as, as or, you know, construction company. And one day I pulled up on the job site or I was working on the job site and the general contractor pulled up a brand new truck. And I looked at that truck and said, dang on, that's nice. <laughs> Anyways, it dawned on me that day. It's like, you know, you could make a pretty good living doing this. So it's interesting how little, little things like that stick in your mind. Man, yeah. so what do you think you do on a constant and consistent basis to keep your business running. I mean, what do you, what are the, what are the secrets to, you know, not running out of work? You know, and I, I don't know if it's, it's necessarily a secret. I think it's a balancing act. And over time, I think we all in our business or whatever we do, we change from what we do, you know, what I was doing 10 years ago other people are doing in my business and I'm doing doing different things. So now it's to the point where I'm just kind of managing the process. So, you know, it's it's a balancing act between managing your employees and supporting them and making sure they feel comfortable and that they have all the support and everything they need um, and keeping them happy. Then it's also having, you know, having your, your pul having a pulse of where your customers are and your projects are going because um, you know, the worst thing you can have, and this is, I think, in everything, I, I try to tell people, you'd rather hear about a complaint. You go to a restaurant and you're not happy, and you walk out, and you never let anybody know. Right. You just never come back. You know, if I was that owner, I'd want to know. And so I, I've always been, if, if I hear a complaint or something, I go to somebody to tell them. You might want to reach out. And I found that in my business. If um, nobody's perfect, you're always going to have problems. I tell, I, and when I interview with customers, I say, what you got to judge us on is not that we're perfect because nobody is, but I said, you know, you got to judge us on how we fix a problem. When there is a problem, which there will be, how do we address it? Are we up front? Are we honest? We come to you. We should, you know, lay out the, here's what happened. Here's, here's our solutions and whatnot. So I think that's, uh, 
what's very important is to make sure to keep in touch with day to day, or not day to day, but just have a pulse on on the um, how a project's going, are there problems, what is the perception of your owner, um, do I need to be in there to make sure that they know how important that this project is, right? And I think that's very important too. Is you may have 10 projects going on or 10 different things. You may have 10 different customers going on. You have to make sure you got to not only care about that individual and that one project, but you got to make sure that your, your, your customer knows that, that uh, that's very important to you. So, that's, so staying in there and letting them know that you care and that you're going to fix it, trust, all that stuff you think is what's kept your business rocking forward. I do. Okay. I do. Well, you know, when we do our podcast, we always do a whiskey. And so um, Joe's not uh, much of a brown liquor drinker, but I told him, I said, we might, we'll, we'll go with this Glenn Levitt 12 uh, for today. So real quick on scotch, if you don't know, you know, in order to be called scotch, it's got to be made in Scotland. It has to be more than 50% malted barley. I talked about this before, but typically all the whiskeys of the world, the grain that's in the field around the distillery is typically what what ends up in the bottle, corn in Kentucky, for instance, and malted barley in Scotland. And um, if it says 12 years old, what that means is that every every uh, barrel of whiskey that they put in here is 12 years old or older. So there's nothing less than 12 years old. And if it says single malt scotch, that means that all of those whiskeys in this bottle are all from a single distillery. And, and all the whiskeys except for bourbon, scotch included, they're all blended whiskey. So this is a blend of 12s, 15s, 18s, 21s, 23s, something like that. I don't know the exact blend. But they're all from a single distillery, and um, and they're all over 50%, you know, malted whiskey. And the interesting thing about Scotland is there are about four times as many barrels of scotch in Scotland as there are people. They got more <laughs> barrels of scotch than they have people in Scotland. And um, I guess the other thing is is that. Um, um, you know, you they sell more blended scotch than they sell single malt scotch. So that, you know, there's a lot of scotches that are kind of like what you call your call brand scotches that you get when you go to the bar. And so the single malt stuff is really kind of taken off. And part of that is the aging process. In Scotland, they lose about 2% of the whiskey per year in the barrel, whereas in bourbon, they lose more like three to 5% because there's more heat in Kentucky than there is in Scotland. So they can actually age your whiskeys a little bit longer. So anyway, we're, we're drinking a little Glen Levitt and I hope you enjoy, enjoy that. So Joe, I wanna get into um, marketing your business. I mean, what do you think you do? Cause you've got, I mean, you do a job and then that job's done and you gotta go get another job. It's kind of like I do a mortgage and I gotta go get another mortgage. How do you, how do you manage that? I mean, how do you, how do you keep that, that thing rolling? You know, that's, that's a good question. Um, and I think every business is different. Um, like in my business, uh, and we're a commercial general contractor, so we build commercial buildings. We don't do any residential or houses. Um, I've always said cold marketing doesn't, I don't believe does a whole lot of good in our business or even advertising that type of stuff. It's more, it's a, it's a referral relationship. Um, it's a relationship. You get to know somebody, you show them what you've done. I've gotten several projects where out of the blue, I may meet somebody and I said, let me show you what I've done over here. 
and they look at it and then it gets the wheel going in there. Well, we, we may want to build a new building or we may want to do this. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I think, especially in my, my business, it's, it's a, you know, every project or deal with a customer is a long-term deal from, from start to finish. When you're putting it on paper. What's the average length of time? You know, I'd say a year to 18 months. But okay. these days, even longer sometimes with the front end part. I tell people a lot of times, I say, they say, how long is it going to take to build this building? I said, it's going to take less time to build this building than it is to get from right, right here to today get it to, ready to get to, to where we're starting to build. Right. So, um, so it's a long, long process. So <clears throat> it's not something that people take lightly. So again, that, uh, you know, the majority of our work comes from referrals or when somebody sees a project we're doing or have finished up. But how do you build those relationships with people? How do you continue? Because, you know, not everybody you did a deal for is doing another building, right? Or knows everybody that needs a building. How do you, how do you get out and meet new people to build new relationships? Well, you're right. Some we do have, you know, some are, are steady repeat for years and years, which are great. What, like a franchise or something like that? A franchise or a, a say, a developer that continues building, you know, mm -hmm. more and more buildings or, or new buildings every year. Um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of people that do one time. But again, it's interesting because, as I said, it's a long process. So you really get to know them. You get to know people they know and relationships they have that are coming by and checking on that building or, or they're showing to. Well, then you build a relationship with them. So uh, just like yours, it's it's a combination of, you know, long-term marketing that you really don't even realize you're getting to know somebody and developing a relationship. And it may be two or three years later when all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, I need to do something. And you know, this well, is you know what's always fascinated me about you is you, 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 you just pick up the phone and call people and you cut up with them and you just make it fun. How many, how many of those calls do you make a day? Just people you already know. Probably 15, 20. <laughs> I'm in the car. I'm in, I'm well, you're in the car. You're down. Are you yeah. listening to the radio or, or I'm a usually, book, usually or are you, are you just calling people? Usually on the phone. So you're Call using people. that time when you're away from the office. Hey, this is the time to stay in touch with my people. Absolutely. Now, how do you decide who you're going to call? Do you see something or think about Usually something? Usually something will remind you, or you'll call yeah. one and that'll remind you another or whatever. Y'all, that is big. People don't understand how big that is for their business. Just So many people get in the car and listen to the radio or something else, and that's a great time. Don't you think? Best time I can think of to pick up the phone and start calling your friends and just, just talking to them, right? It is. And, and you know, one thing, and, and I'll, I'll use a, an analogy, it's not necessarily my business, but let's say that you are a homeowner and you get guys showing up either in the neighborhood or a flyer about a painting contractor to repaint your house and you don't need your house painted but somebody comes up and gives you their card and, or drops off something you read something advertising and you think well one day if i do paint my house you know i'll keep that in my file maybe the next year your house doesn't need to be painted somebody else comes by and you know you get some more marketing information yeah yeah i'll keep it and i'll call you but sure enough, three or four years later goes by, and you may have forgotten totally about those guys, but it's the guy that just happens to stop by that day and you notice your paint's peeling, and that's usually gonna be the guy you're gonna use. So to your point, sometime you can develop, sometimes you can develop a relationship and it may go along for three or four years. Um, you gotta nurture that relationship. But you gotta nurture it because if you, if you lose contact with them, Somebody else may, right when they're about to do something, someone else may bump into And that's them. our job that's, to do exactly, that, right? That's exactly. not their job to stay in contact Correct. with us, right? Yeah. So. I just, that's amazing. I, 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 
I've always felt that way, and I met Joe, and I'm like, here's a guy that thinks the same way I do. And we have fun with that. Yeah. Just calling people is fun, right? Yeah. And um, so um, what? Um, how do you how do you see yourself when you're out there pricing things? You know, because some people feel like they need to be cheap. Some people feel like they need to be special. How do you go about pricing jobs in your mind? What's what's the main thing that you that you know, you're looking for? And that's a that's a great question, and it's a tough question, right? Because it um, can be different with every customer. It's different with every customer. It's a different mentality with with different customers. Um, you know, the, probably the hardest thing for me, because we try to be as accurate as possible and shoot straight with our customers. The hardest thing is when you get somebody that says, just give me a ballpark price. And they say, we're going to talk to three people and we're just going to get a ballpark price right now. And then we'll pick somebody and move forward. Well, they're going to go with the cheapest ballpark. And, right? you know, and they may go with the cheapest ballpark or the frustrating thing is what I try to do and I explain to them. Sometimes they listen, they don't. I said, look, I'm going to try to give you an accurate price, but also a conservative price that might be a little bit higher than it ultimately comes into. I want to give you a number that covers. A range? A, well, I want to give you a number. If, if, you know, I think something's going to cost, you know, let's say something ultimately, when you work it real hard, might come in at $95,000. I would rather right now give you a price of $100,000 so that it comes in at or below budget versus tell you $80,000 and then it comes in at 105. And so the frustrating part with that, there are people that will throw out a low price because that just catches people's attention. And they all kind of assume it's gonna creep up, but they think whoever throws the lowest price right. is gonna, is going to you know be the lowest. So on, instead of the giving them the lowest price, you try to spend time in educating them on the price that you're gonna give them. Exactly, and what it includes, and then also, you know, if it's just a ballpark, it is a ballpark, but we're hoping it will come in less. So rather than someone else throw them a, That's uh, tough, a cheaper one. So it's a tough. So you kind of, you have to feel like your customer too and right. see what, try to anticipate what games they're going to play. All right. So how does, this, this is something else I admire about you is is the ability to work and play the the, the live work life balance. You, I think you do an excellent job of that. And, and and I think you do a great job and what you're playing also can be, you know, good about building uh, relationships with people that you may be in business with or may want to do business with. What's your view on how you do that? Like going on motorcycle rides or taking somebody to the lake or what, well, how, do you, how do you see yourself on that? Yeah, great question. Um, and I think I kind of work at the reverse angle, not to where some people might say, you know, they may want to go do something fun, go play golf with somebody or whatever to get their business. Um, I, I'm not going and hanging out with somebody just because I want their business. I want to like that person first because I want to have somebody, I want to do business with those that I like. Um, oh, dude, that's awesome, y'all. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. I, I learned, I that. you know, years ago, I was talking to somebody actually at lunch. I, you want to build relationships with fun people, and then if you get business from fun people, it's fun, fun, you fun learn, or business. You learn over time, life's too short to, you know. I was telling somebody today, we were talking about a project we had that, that didn't go as well as we had thought um, because of an owner, and I said, I remember, you know, 25, 30 years ago, you know, taking on a project, sitting across from the guy and going, I really need the work, but gosh, it's it just, I don't have a good gut feel. And sure enough, I did the project and I, don't know, I think I was telling him, I think I'm still owed $120,000 right now from 1996. So 
<laughs> as you get older, I think you learn and experience. It's like trust your gut too. Um, one of the things I, one of the things I do when I'm marketing, uh, and we're being interviewed with a potential customer, I try to get them to come to our office and meet in our office so that they can see everybody that's that's in our company or at least working in the office. That's beautiful. They can kind of get a feel. And I always tell them, I said that I think the the beauty to our company versus either a very large or a very small one is, you know, a big large company, you're just handed off to different departments. I said, look around our office, you know, I'm sitting here, so-and-so's sitting here, so-and-so's here, so-and-so, this person will be These are the people you're gonna talk to. But we're all close to each other. So if so-and-so's managing your project and there's a problem and with the, the pricing or the estimate, well, the guy that estimates two doors down and he can hear that, oh, hey, no, let me tell you what, or I'm sitting over here, if there's a problem, it's like, hey, let me see if I can help out or whatever. So right. kind of keeps that. The other thing I tell people, in our type of business, as I said earlier, it's a you know a long-term project. It doesn't just happen overnight. So you're going to be working with that team of people for a long time. And so how's the chemistry? I always tell them when we're sitting around the table, I know price is important, and you're you're getting you're interviewing three different companies or whatever, and you want the best price. But I said you know that price can change. You know some people may stick you with more changes, and some people may have covered it. So you have to really balance that out. But I said, what's to me more important is, how's the chemistry? You know, it's great right now where we're all putting on a marketing show, but when there's a problem, when there's a delay or a mistake or, or something out of our either of our control, and we have to really put our roll up our sleeves and figure out a solution to a problem, how do how, how does it feel? How are we gonna work? You know, on? Steve, if you and I are working together, and you know everything's great, that's one thing. But the time when there's a big problem. Are we going to sit there and butt heads and try to blame each other? Or are we going to like roll up our sleeves and figure out a solution mm. and move forward? That's awesome. So let's move into politics. So you decided to run for mayor of Milton, and uh, you've been doing that how many years now? Fifteen. Fifteen years. That's crazy. So tell me about getting into that and how that's been and how that impacted your life, good, bad, different? Or... You know, it's, it's interesting because... As you know, we were friends there, and you were instrumental uh, with, with several other people in uh, in my campaign and, and ultimate election. I, I had never really considered politics. Um, I was always involved, um, you know, in my community and in groups and friends and, and all that, but had never really considered politics. And when the opportunity came up, I had a couple of people come up to me, approach me, and tell me I should run, and I was like, no, I hadn't. Even, no, that, that's not me. And uh, a little bit later, had a few other people, you know, would mention it. Started kind of thinking about it, and you know, and then a little bit later, somebody else. And again, and uh, you know, you remember, I sat on your back porch with some buddies and all that. So, right. uh, you know, in one of my, as I was campaigning, um, my quote stump speech, uh, I would tell people, uh, and it came from my heart, and I think they picked up on that. Is look, I'm not a politician. I don't have any magic answers. If there, I believe if there was an easy button, somebody else would have already fixed, you know, pushed it to fix traffic or whatever. So I'm not going to make any promises. Uh, I'm just going to tell you I'm a, a common sense, you know, normal person. I have a small business, you know, have a family, uh, you know, everything that's important to me, my family, my home, my church, my kids' schools, my friends are all in this new city of Milton. And so I feel like if I can do a good job, and if it benefits you and your family, guess what? You know, the default, it benefits my family too. So it's a win-win. So, 
what I, you know, my goal, my commitment to you, if I'm elected, is I'm going to look at everything. Uh, Basically, the same way you do. Yeah, same way you do, but in the sense, how's this going to affect Steve and his family or mm -hmm. all the other citizens and whatnot? And I think a lot of people resonated with it. Um, so, you know, I really, as I stepped into considering running and whatnot, and, and those things were important, so that's what, you know, le ultimately led me to decide to run. You know, that, and I'll have to also, you know, add the fact that, you know, a couple too many pounds on the shoulder and a couple of beers going, come on, I dare you, I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I, I decided to throw my hat in the ring and, um, you know, can't look back and what? Now. And so the experience has been what? Uh, you know, overall, I think it's, it's a great experience. Um, it's, I have learned a lot. Um, I can tell you right now, one thing I've learned for sure is um, I could walk around a room full of people and hand out $100 bills, and there's going to be some people that are going to be mad. They're not going to be happy about it. <laughs> there's just a certain group of people it's, that are never happy, they're right? Gonna, they're going to look at you and go, well, I wanted 250 <laughs> Well, now I have to pay tax on that. <laughs> I went to, it's funny, we had our, uh, we went to a Christmas party right after I was elected uh, in November. And uh, we were there and I said to Dawn, I said, honey, do you know, we'd gone to that same party every year. I said, do you know the difference between this year and last year? And she goes, no, it's the same. Same party, same people. I said, nope, here's the difference. Last year, half the people here knew us and liked me. I said, the other, people, the other half didn't know us. I said, this year, half the people know me and like me. The other half are mad about some or don't like me. <laughs> so is that part of the game? I mean, how do you keep a, how do you, you enjoy the process if you got people complaining? You know, it's tough. And I, I didn't have real thick skin, and it took a long time. Because I'm the type of person, when I put my head on the pillow, whether it's work or personal, you know, uh, personal relationships, whatever, if there's something that's uh, not right or, or an issue, a conflict, I want to fix it for, you know, for the right. end of the day. That's I want to reach too, out. Right? That's just my nature. And it takes a while to learn that no matter what you do, there are going to be some people, they don't know you, they've never known you, they have preconceived notions or whatever, and they're just not going to be happy. Now, one thing that um, actually I've learned as to take it on as a challenge um, if there is somebody that's not happy or there's an issue, um, I, I can all the time, I'll, well, I'll get calls from City Hall where they'll say so-and-so called here, they were very distraught, they're unhappy, uh, you know, I think staff member so-and-so is taking care of them, blah, 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 they called asking for you, but we took care of it, and uh, you know, 100% of the time I said, give me that person's number, and uh, I call them up, and I said, well, let's meet, and uh, uh, you know, a good example, uh, one guy was very, very unhappy. I called him and said, let's meet for lunch. And I think he was kind of taken back. He's still a great, he's a great friend now. Doesn't even live in Milton anymore. But uh, it's, I look at it as a challenge. Many times I've had somebody that's very upset. I meet with them. I said, come on, meet me at City Hall. Let's do a tour. Let me introduce you to all the key people, people at City Hall. Let me show you what's going on, what's happening. And 99% of the time, they leave and they're like, wow, I'm really impressed with our city. Any way I can get involved, please let me know. And, you know, they, they're turn some of the biggest turn advocates. That's yeah. fantastic. So, I mean, you had mentioned to me one time that the city's kind of like a big HOA. You know, it's just, and, and, and so from where I'm sitting, it seems like it's getting worse. It's like, you know, there's, there's more 
control over stuff you do, you know, your trees, your vents, your paint, you know, whatever. I don't, maybe not paint yet, but it's going to yeah. be. What, what's your opinion of that? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or You know, um, it's good and bad. You know, it's like anything. If there were no rules, um, you know, half the people would be happy about it and the other half wouldn't. Uh -huh. um, you know, if your neighbor can cut all his trees down or paint his house any color he wants, he may be happy, but you're, but you're not. Um, so that's a tough one. Um, How, what, what's your gut feeling on that? Well, I'll tell you, in, in the, my experience with Milton, uh, and for example, initially, you know, starting in a new city, it's not, it's not like you just flip a switch. So a lot, a lot of it was carryover from ordinances from Fulton County. And while they may have worked across the board, sometimes in a smaller area, you know, or you confine it to different situations, it's like, any, it's like any law or any rule, it doesn't fit every circumstance. Mm -hmm. So over time, we have had to revise things. And two or three times during my tenure as mayor, gone to staff and said, okay, what's been the biggest holdup? What are, what are the biggest complaints citizens have, you know, trying to do this or that? Let's look at it. Can we tweak that? That'll be better for the city and better for our citizens. But it, it is a balance because it's, uh, you know, when things are in black and white and, you know, it's a rule book, you don't have that human, you know, right. perception. I always tell people though, I say, look, if, if it's all in black and white, then computers could do the job and we wouldn't have to be there. Um, another thing that I really, you know, I enjoy and pride myself on, sometimes I'll call my office, I'll say it says, you know, office of common sense and may have somebody come in and very frustrated, uh, whether it's a business owner or a homeowner or whatever, and they want to do something and it's totally opposite of the way the rules are. And so staff's there with code books, citizens sitting here, business owner, and they're just button heads. Nope, can't do this. Yes, I want to do this. And uh, I'll listen for a little while, then I'll say, he really wants to get here, but our, our rules are saying this. Is there something little that we can tweak here? Let's look on page two or three. Is there a little exception here? Well, yeah, okay, you know, you can do this. And all of a sudden, Mr. So-and-so, Mr. Smith, whatever, would you be willing to do this? Well, yeah, absolutely, no problem. Okay, well, if you do that, then code says then you can, can do, do this. this. So before long, you get, you know, going so in the right direction. They're willing to do that, really, right? Mm -hmm. They're willing to try to make both sides win-win situation, I guess. Exactly. So, you know, I think about, you know, you go along in the construction business and you have product knowledge and then you can jump into this mayoral thing and then all of a sudden you gotta have, you gotta gain new product knowledge, right? So. How do you how do you see that? How do you how do you handle ramping yourself up for new product knowledge? So something changes in the construction business, or something changes a law, or whatever. How how do you view that? Because there are a lot of people that feel like you know I don't need a lot of product knowledge. There's a lot of people feel like I can't go out and sell till I have the product knowledge. So how do you how do you educate yourself? You know it's interesting when I was running for office. Sometimes questions would be, what experience do you have, uh, you know, running a city? And, you know, the, the honest answer is, well, I have no experience running a city, but where I think uh, the experience I have that is beneficial is the business that I'm in as a general contractor, I'm an expert in nothing. And <laughs> in nothing? I take in nothing as far as the expert. I have experts in every field that I compile the team. And I'm the quarterback. I, uh, and then I learn from each one. And so rather than, 
me as knowing everything about a building, I know to call to talk to the, the, the best electrician I can that's and the engineer that's gonna figure out all the electrical or the concrete or the steel or whatever. Oh. And I incorporate the team. So I told people and it came true from day one, it's the same thing. I'm as you say, a quarterback for all these different departments. Mm -hmm. So a great example was uh, the day after election, I don't know if it's the next day or the next, we had a skeleton staff and we had a, a private company that was coming in to help set everything up. And uh, we called a meeting and they all looked at me and said, Mayor, we are really concerned. Our budget does not balance, we're in the red. And instead of getting, getting concerned or whatever, I said, let's all meet at two o'clock, let's bring everybody in in every department. And just like doing a construction project when you're over budget, you go to each individual player and go, what can you do to help? What ideas do you have that can save some costs? Me, or what can you do this? Me. And it was it worked the exact same way. No. You go to the parks guy and say, well, you know, do we have to do this yet? Can we wait till next year to start that? Yeah. Go to you know setting up police and fire. Do we have to get you know six cars or can we do with five for right now and get you know and wait six months before we take on a little cost there? And it was amazing. After a few hours, it's like everybody was all deep sigh uh, you know relief and uh, moving forward. So. Wow! So it's orchestrating the experts. Well, that's uh, that's a big deal. So that that's uh, I guess that's that's your trump card, right? That's something you're good at. So what 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 do you think people say about Joe? What, what's your buzz out there? <sighs> well, you you got <laughs> It's funny because I always uh, you think, know everybody says he's a great guy, you know, because you're so friendly. And um, I, I mean, and you don't, you're, you know, you don't meet a stranger, and you try to make everybody feel comfortable. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's a all good buzz, right? Well, that that is true. I truly care. I try to, you know, I care about people. Um, I love to meet new people. My wife gives me a hard time, and my kids. Oh, look, Dad met a new friend. <laughs> Wherever we go, whatever we do. Um, How do you deal with that? Does your wife and family give you a little bit of crap on that? You know, they all go sit down at the table, and you see somebody, and you're saying hi, and they're like, can't you ever give it up? Can't you ever just be with your family? Uh, do you get that? I, get I, think, I think they, yeah, they do roll their eyes sometimes. Yeah. So, um, so, but you know what's interesting about your buzz, and I try to keep this in mind, because I feel like I may not know my boss. I may have a perception of what I think people think about me when I walk into a room. Right. And my perception of myself might be totally different of what they're perceiving. Does that make sense? Yeah. Heck and yeah, and heck I always yeah. keep that in mind in relationships. Like this guy over here, you know, he walks in and in his mind, I'm just perceiving that he thinks this, but other people are perceiving him different. And so All right. sometimes, you know, it's hard to know exactly what others think of it. You may have this picture in your mind of what they right. think of you, right. but it may be a little different. So how do you talk to yourself? Do you find, you know, so one of my books is the tapes we play in our head and how we talk to ourselves. And I find that there are certain things that, that when I get in a certain circumstance, I'll, I'll talk to myself a certain way. And I'm trying to right now practice on a daily basis talking more positive to myself. So how do you manage that? What 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 you know? What conversations do you have with yourself? You know, um, I tell you a good example. We talked about riding dirt bikes, motorcycles earlier, and I used to you know sometimes, and, and I think this is true in life for everybody. You get issues dealt to that you're dealing with, or something on your plate, or a problem in business, or whatever you're doing, to where it just seems insurmountable. 
and you, you just, you want to, what am I going to do? And I can remember years ago, um, I was having, you know, I just, I couldn't think of the answer. It was totally weighing me down. And I jumped on my motorcycle and went up to the mountains for a couple hours and just rode and rode and just slowly let everything, you know, and then oh, uh, riding a dirt bike and you have to, you know, on a dirt bike, you got to concentrate the rocks, the hills, the ruts, the, you know, tree logs, whatever you can't, you know, and it almost kind of starts to clear your mind out. And before long, by the time I was through with my ride that day, it dawned on me a couple things I could do. And it's like a light bulb went off. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times now when I get hit with a problem that I don't know the answer, I'm really concerned about, I try to take a deep breath and give it a little time. And I, and also put it in perspective. Um, I call it, uh, you know, I tell a lot of people, I say, what's the timing on this problem? If you get hit with a problem and I say, is this a one day problem? Is it a one week? Is it one month? Is it six months? Is it five years? And what I mean by that is, of course, at the time you're dealing with it, it seems very important. But step back and think, next week, am I going to be worrying about this? That's now, brilliant. A, a yeah. month from That's now, brilliant. a month from That's now, brilliant. is this going to be really big in my life? And you go, no, next week, next month, I'm going to have a whole other problem. I'm not even going to remember this. Now, if, it, if you can sit there and honestly say, five years from now, I'm going to still be worrying about this then yes, it is a, a bigger problem, right. but, but put it in perspective and you'll find that 90% of the problems are the one day problem, the one week, That's the, awesome, the one man. month. So, and the other thing, as you get older and you've been through, dealt with so many things, put it in perspective. You know, sometimes you just sit there, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? And then you go, you know what? I'm glad I'm dealing with this problem because I could be dealing with something else or you see something else somebody else is dealing with, you go, they would, you know, they'd give anything to have your problem. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. So I want to know is, so one of the first times we went riding and we go into the restaurant, y'all, and Joe's big thing was we'd all, there'd be like 20 of us. And he's like, I'm buying dinner tonight. <laughs> and so we all, you know, that's cool. That's great. And then the next night we go and we have we have dinner and something, you know, and Joe's like, who's going to buy dinner tonight? And then he ordered surf and turf or the most expensive thing on the menu, you know, and none of us did that to him, right? I want to know, where did you learn that? Where did you come you know, up with that? I, I don't know that I learned it. And, it, and you know, I think you're embellishing a little. <laughs> now I'm embellishing a bit. No, but I, I, I've told people, um, and the new guys have to watch out because I'm usually trying to be generous because I'm not somebody that's trying to nickel and dime things. I would rather, if we go to lunch, I'd rather pick up the bill if, rather than ha haggle over or whatever, if there's three or four people or whatever. And so I really just kind of started that, but it is funny, it evolved. And you go on this trip, say there's you know, 10, 20 guys for a week. And the first night you kind of chilled out, well, let's go eat Mexican. And so it's like, hey, when the bill comes here, I'll take it. And <laughs> it's, not, and it's right. not that you tell, you know, somebody else they have to get it, but then it's just kind of the next day when you go somewhere, of course, everybody else looking around, well, Joe shouldn't have to get it because he got last night. Well, here, I'll get tonight. And it just over, you know. Over, That's part of your but, buzz, but you know. People tell that story. But naturally, every every night it gets a little bigger. It gets to, a little to, bigger. To your point where by the end of the, the, end of the week, you're at the, at the steakhouse and everybody's getting served. You don't order beer, you order scotch or something, right? I mean, I know, I know that's the case. I love that. But that we... People that ride with Joe, it's a known thing that he does, and we all, you know, so now if we ride away, we're getting surfing turf the first night or whatever. We're going to go ahead and put it on Joe's tab, so that's pretty good. Um, do you have a fear of failure? 
Do you worry about failure or do you, how do you manage taking risk and stuff? Um, I, I mean, of course everybody has a fear of failure. Um, and I think the key is realizing that we all got, we have all have that, but how can you manage it so it doesn't hold you back? Um, you need a little bit of fear to keep you from doing something too crazy. Right. But you, you can't let it, you know, we all know people that do that that never accomplish anything because the They're fear too of scared. The, yeah, the fear of, of failure. You remember is when too you used strong. to call people and say you're scared? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I have fear every day. Um, but again, I try to balance it with reasonable expectations of, you know, of success. Right. And also in the back of your mind, you have to realize it's like anything, you know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But so. do you, do you, do you feel like you got to take the risk in order to have the success? I do. That's I do. good. So how do you manage that risk? I mean, is it, you try to stay in your lane, so to speak, do it in areas that you feel comfortable with? Yeah, but I'd say I've stepped out of it a lot in, in, in my life. And I still, I think you have to step out a little bit all the time to keep it interesting. Right. Um, I think if we just, you know, like I said earlier on, you're doing things now in your business that 10 years ago, you know, 10 years ago you were doing something that now you wouldn't want to have to be doing. Right. But right. Uh, you got to continue to, to, to push it. Yeah, right. push the limit. So. All right. So what, um, what's, your, what's your life purpose? Why are you here? You know, um, I'm a big family guy. And so, I, you know, if you ask me, I'm thinking, well, to be a dad to my kids, a husband to my wife. Um, but honestly, it's, uh, I don't know what my ultimate purpose that God has for me. So every day I'm just, uh, uh, I'm just working hard to, to, you know, let God kind of take you me. Have, and see you have it. something you so. feel like you're extra special at? Um, that you leave behind wherever you go, kind of in your wake as you go? You know, I, I like to feel like I'm a connector, kind of like you. Yeah. Um, you know, if I can help somebody out, um, you know, just by connecting them, I get a good feeling out of that. I don't need anything out of it. And I'm know, a high. I know you do it do yeah. it all the time, but nothing better feeling than, you know, get so-and-so has an issue or whatever, and you connect them here and they help them or, you know, get somebody a job. Right, you feel just as good yeah. as the other person yeah. did. Yeah. So, Thank so again, you. I don't know what my ultimate, uh, you know, where I'll be one day, but well, uh, we'll I'm, enjoy I'm enjoying the ride. All right, everybody, thank you for being there with us. And go get you some Glenn Levitt 12. It's really good scotch. Thank you, Joe, for coming. And I hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Steve.